ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife Science. It's time to talk science with Dr Will Grant from the Australian National Centre for the Public Awareness of Science. Will, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Good evening, Philip. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, It's great to have you with us too. Do monkeys have a sense of humour? The answer is... Most definitely, it seems. Indeed, our own sense of humour may derive from simian sources. How so, Will? Well, this, this, look, this is a beautiful study and a beautiful, interesting finding. So, yes, to answer your first question, it seems like monkeys do have a sense of humour and it seems to ape. Sorry. Uh, some of Ine- inevi- our, inevitable, but go on, yes. <laughs> I know. Our early childhood behaviours that, mm. um, that uh, perhaps amongst the most uh, endearing little bits of little kids. Um, so the thing that's so lovely about this, I mean, this study, is um, the researchers here looked at hours and hours and hours of, of interactions between um, adults and children, juveniles, young, um, of a couple of different species of great ape. And whilst they know clearly that we've known a lot about play between different, um, uh, between different apes for a long time, where two mm. juveniles or two adults will play with each other, clearly um, you know, a lot of other animals do that. But um, what they were looking at here is a sort of asymmetric type play that um, you, could, you could call them practical jokes or potentially being annoying or uh, cheekiness. I think cheekiness is probably the thing that we, we see in children. Um, where the chimpanzees or, or the orangutans or whichever one they would do, would do a couple of things that it seemed like the adult might have been sitting there peacefully and then the juvenile would come up and do something such as pull some hair or shove them in, in a different way or do something that's generally just a little bit annoying. But the point was... To, to get their reaction and, and to test the boundaries. Uh, it seems to me, well, it seems from this study, that this is the sort of behaviour that um, a lot of young kids will do, mm. uh, testing the boundaries, testing you know, what they can get away with and running away and having a bit of fun, but seeing what they should be doing with adults and how they should interact. And so the result here suggests that this sort of behaviour, we have a common ancestor that is before the great apes. So our our evolution of joking and comedy and humour seems to be quite an old thing here. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what evolutionary purpose humour serves. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, quite a lot. I think, we'll, I think one, of the, it's, um, re- one of the key things is about community bonding, yeah. uh, knowing, knowing what you can and can't get away with and, and connecting between different, um, uh, well, different animals within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, it's also about understanding rules. Um, you know what you can break and what you can't break, where you can push up to those limits. Uh, if you are able to joke about certain things, then you know uh, well what you, what you can and can't do. But it also implies, which is a very a very high cognitive ability, an ability to predict what the other uh, person or ape um, will do. And that's what kids are kids are often using humour to do is to think, okay, if I do this to my parent, then they will react in a certain sort of way. Mm. And that involves thinking about the other person as a, well, as another thinker. And suggests here that these great apes are having a bit of those sorts of behaviours, which is actually quite an advanced cognitive skill. Mm. Yeah. Is it, do we know whether it's all physical humour or 
are apes, or would we even know whether apes are capable of verbal humour? Oh, well, well, that's a very interesting question. I mean, this was done by a video. Mm. Um, so, so they were looking at sort of a lot of physical types of things. So, you know, offering an object and then withdrawing it, uh, provocatively not complying. So it seems like somehow being told to do something or instructed. I don't know how apes give instructions, but then not doing it. Disrupting other activities. These are all sorts of physical things. Potentially, potentially. I mean, I guess, I guess the verbal equivalent might be um, within norms. We clear, we know there, there are um, a variety of species have words, for example, for snake or something like that, or for danger or for food. Um, you could potentially speculate that this ability might lead to being able to use those words in deliberately wrong contexts. And some of, sometimes that would be lying, but we know that there are times when it's not lying, it's more of a joke. Now, I don't know what uh, great ape parents would think if the great ape juveniles called snake and there wasn't uh, a snake mm. there. I think that's crying mm. wolf. But you could, you could imagine a similar sort of behavior. It's basically the same sort of thing of knowing what the, um, what the behavior is, deliberately being wrong about that behavior and seeing what the parental result would. And I'm sure, you know, there are little kids that do all of this sort of joke play and fantasy play that involves pretending other things. Potentially this could be involved. I don't think it's in this current study, but maybe that's what we'll go for next. Mm. Interesting. All right. Um, this is an ethical quandary. Should a single human life overrule uh, the life of a species? Indeed, what about the survival of a whole species? Mm. This is... Uh, you, you may not like the responses that a, a big survey uh, got back when they asked this question. Yeah, yeah. Well... I think, I think one aspect of this people might say, oh, we're a bit selfish. Mm. But there's another aspect of this that I think is, is quite positive. So, yes, so this was a survey of um, uh, 2,000 um, Australians mm. uh, that came in the wake of the 2019 bushfires. And clearly during that time, a whole lot of lives lost, also a lot of property, and also billions, billions of animals and definitely uh, a, a lot of species, plants and animals, sorry, uh, a lot of species were pushed close to the brink and it has been suggested at least one um, concrete extinction from the 2019 mm. bushfires. Now, the standard firefighting behaviour, uh, well, the policy here is that human lives come first and that all efforts should be to protect human lives. Next after that comes infrastructure, and then lowest down is biodiversity, which we can, we can quibble about and we can think, okay, so how much should we prioritise human infrastructure? But these researchers said, well, does that line up with what people think? And so they had a series of questions, you know, which, which should firefighters work to preserve here? There were a couple of human, um, humans in here, one who uh, hadn't been warned to evacuate, so they didn't get the instruction, uh, another who had ignored uh, advice to evacuate. Then we've got a couple of animal and plant sorts of things, so a population of koalas, uh, a population of wallabies, um, uh, a native snail species, which, and the key point here is, would become extinct if it was burnt, and then a native shrub species, um, and some sheep. Then finally, two types of infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, one being farm infrastructure, a house, a shed, and a tractor, and another being uh, two items of indigenous uh, cultural significance. So that's sort of recreating those three categories, human life, biodiversity, and infrastructure. 
And, well, the results come out, I think we can guess uh, a bunch of these things. So the top one was the person who was not warned. So people say, yeah, yeah, protect the, the life of the person who didn't get the warning. Next comes the person who had ignored advice. But here comes the next bit where people are, are flipping around the infrastructural preservation thing and saying, no, actually we should work to preserve biodiversity. So the koalas and the wobble, wobbly, wallaby came next. Hmm. But, yeah, the kind of disappointing thing is that the koalas, who in this definition were not threatened, it was just it was one population and they were not threatened with extinction en masse, were suggested to be, to be preserved long above the snail, which was going to become extinct. So it's a, it's a sort of um, reminder that our conservation efforts are again dominated by protect, protecting these iconic species and not actually preserving biodiversity. But down the bottom, we've said the shed. The shed can burn. Don't worry about the shed. Uh, the house was next. The indigenous uh, 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 rock art um, and uh, items of cultural significance came above that. So it's a sort of reprioritization of, of traditional firefighting practice. But it does say that um, we are a little bit focused on the iconic species and perhaps not as much on biodiversity as our friends in the sciences might want us to be. Mm. It's funny, we rate the koala that highly, but still, we're, we're still busy tearing down its habitat. And, absolutely. Uh, and absolutely. I think most scientists in the field say that we're on the path to extinction for the koala. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, this does say this is behaviours in the abstract. You know, yeah, how, exactly. how would you, if you've got a choice between saving this or saving this, absolutely. But we know that human and societal behaviours in the concrete don't necessarily lead to all of these outcomes as much as we want. No. Uh, just finally, is ChatGPT the AI tool that's, uh, well, taken things by storm? If you haven't used it yet, have a play with it. It's free at the moment. And uh, it is certainly uh, a whole lot better than your traditional search engine, I think most people would say. Is ChatGPT uh, similar to a person? In fact, is it a better person than you are? Could you pick the difference between talking to ChatGPT and a person? These are all issues which scientists have had a look at. What's the what's yeah. the answer? Well, well, it seems on one of the key tests, it's uh, ChatGPT not only passing but maybe doing a little bit better than humans. And it's a little bit weird here. Um, so there's been a bunch of studies over the last few months where ChatGPT and the other large language models coming out of the big tech companies um, have been thrown against all sorts of human tests. You know, can they pass a medical entrance exam? Can they pass the bar exam? Can they pass, you know, all sorts of things. And again and again, these large language models seem to be doing really quite well. Not perfect, but doing really quite well. Now, one of the sort of gold standard or historically significant tests has been something called a Turing test, where it was crafted by Alan Turing um, mm. after World War II, uh, where he said, okay, well, a good test for artificial intelligence is if you could have a chat conversation, he was assuming text, so typed into a, a window here, uh, with either a, a person or an, artificially, an artificial intelligence system. And if you can't tell the difference, then we've kind of reached some sort of level of artificial intelligence. Uh, it's a pretty good definition. It's a, it's a good, robust, understandable definition. Now, there's some people that would say we need other things as well. 
but still, um, this uh, this is a test that you can you can throw a large language model or, or an AI system like ChatGPT at. And it turns out in this one that um, they threw ChatGPT in against against the responses of 108,000 humans, which is you know a lot of a lot of tests there. And statistically, no one could tell them apart. We couldn't see which ones were human and which ones were ChatGPT, except for one weird thing where it was um, a couple of the things like how it would react to altruism and how it would react to other people in game situations where it seemed to be better than us. Uh, it was more altruistic. It was more cooperative. It was more likely to mm. uh, play along in these games that were, um, that were sharing results rather than being as selfish as us. So maybe that means we can tell it apart a little bit because it's nicer, but it does suggest we've reached a, an interesting milestone here. We have. If you're worried that, the person you're talking to is, is a robot and not a not a human. <laughs> I think there is a thing you can do. I must say, uh, well, I don't know whether you agree with this, but uh, ChatGPT is not very good on opinion. <laughs> so no. So asking ChatGPT for saying, you know, is Phil any good as a broadcaster? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, the the large language model is not up for this because yeah. they don't know. <laughs> Well, so all I they could do, all they can do, is parrot back other people's assessments. But if you say you yes, but what, you, but what do you yeah. think about it? <laughs> they no, don't, I they think don't, this is absolutely they right. They are opinion. they're an they're an average of human responses, and uh, all they can do is parrot back, and That's it's right. it's very skilled parroting back. I won't knock that, and it's taken a lot oh, of processing. No, unbelievably to get there. good, yes. But no, they are they they are still a long way away um, from being able to really converse like a human. I think this was a fairly constrained setting. And you're right, opinion, also fact, not very good at it. No. What's your favourite colour, GPT? <laughs> Does it even know what a colour is? Oh, yeah, it knows that. <laughs> but it doesn't handle those kind of questions that well. Um, yeah. uh, although it's interesting for all sorts of things, including look, if, look, if you say, for example, to your spouse or children, um, what do you what what do you want for dinner tonight? And they'll say I don't know, or doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, if you ask ChatGPT, give me ten suggestions for dinner tonight, it'll give you ten really good suggestions. I am sure that uh, the next generation of fridges will have ChatGPT embedded inside, so it can work out your dinner options for tonight. Exactly right. <laughs> All right, well, good to talk. Thank you. Cheers, Philip. Great job. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.